Thank you, Sister Gifty. I've been blessed by this ministration. Very simple words. But it's a blessing. Hallelujah. Let's have a word of prayer. So, Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for a time like this in your presence. Father, may your word come through to us. Even as we share on matters relating to your kingdom. May you grant the utterance and grant each one of us understanding. And may your name be praised in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This evening we are sharing on the topic, the values and the ethics of the kingdom of God. The values and the ethics of the kingdom of God. For the outline for this teaching, I'll try and do some introductory remarks, about four or five of them, and then we'll try and take some definition or description of what is the value or ethics, and then we'll follow up by looking about 12 or 13 values, and then about five ethics that the Lord has graciously laid on my heart so we can share. On the introductory remarks, let me first say that I'm personally grateful for this issue of the kingdom of God that we've been discussing as a church since last year. Personally, I believe there is one area the Lord has directed my heart to among other issues like His promise, repentance, holiness, righteousness, gratitude to God, and reverence fear before Him. And it's the issue of the kingdom of God. And I believe that each time that we share, let's all see that God directing our hearts to focus on the kingdom of God and nothing else. I do not think any of us should ever be tired about spending time on the kingdom of God. Like I said, this is something the Lord personally, close to 10 years now, is directing my heart. I just focus on the kingdom of God. And I have been blessed. And I believe you also will be blessed as you do same. Hallelujah. The second introductory remark I would like to make is that when you talk about ethics, for example, I recall in 2015 
when Snate was celebrating its 50th year anniversary, we had a senior minister of our nation to handle the Thanksgiving service for us. And he made a statement. He said, in our land, it is difficult to have practicing business leaders to talk on the subject matter of ethics to business students. To identify a Ghanaian businessman to go and share on ethics, on business, he said it's very difficult to find one. And that was in 2015. But between 2015 and now, many of those people who were invited to schools that I know, I don't think they will be on their guest list as we speak. If at all they will be invited, they can only share their lessons of what they have gone through. Even with the clergy, as a nation, sometimes we hear that it is difficult to find clergymen with proven track record when it comes to ethical issues. And for me, these two I find very disturbing as a nation. But I know one man, for example, I don't know how many of you know Mr. Miles Higgins. He was the first managing director of Liver Brothers. In fact, he built Liver Brothers in the 60s. This man, all he had was a middle school living certificate. But he was a strong Methodist and lived by that faith. I had the privilege of working with him as my boss when he moved to Gayhawk as the executive chairman. He lived by what he believed in as a Methodist. But all he had was a middle school living certificate. Today we have over 60 tertiary institutions. People doing masters and what have you. Special topics on ethics. But we can't have ethical leaders. It is a serious concern. I don't know what you think about it. My third remark has to do with the fact that this issue of values or ethics, if you don't have a certain life, you cannot appreciate the values of the kingdom of God or to be ethical. If you are not being crucified with Christ, if your heart is not renewed, if you are not sanctified, if the Spirit of Christ is not ruling in your life, if you are not dead to sin and one with Christ, you would not appreciate the values of the kingdom of God. And your attempts to be ethical will never be fruitful. In fact, you can never be profitable. 
So if we desire, we are yearning to appreciate the, in fact, you cannot even understand the values of the kingdom of God. Because it takes a certain life to even understand and value what you have. If you are not there yet, even when it is given to you, you cannot appreciate it. I'll give you a joke, but it's a story. One of my in-laws gave one of his nephews 50 pounds notes. The young man said, where they offer so much dollar beer, and where they are made here then? You understand? A 50 pound note in a man who doesn't know the value of pound sterling. That is what it means. All we have heard is the dollar. All we know is this world. We don't know there is a kingdom of God. But if we know there is a kingdom of God and we know the value of that kingdom, we won't talk about dollar. If you are given a pound sterling, you know that is the value. And the currency in that kingdom is faith. But if you don't know, that's what I'm saying, it takes a certain life. If you don't have that life, when that kingdom is given, when it's presented, you can't even see it. You don't value it. And you cannot be ethical. The fourth introductory remark which I would like to make is that many of us don't even know the kingdom that we have. And who we are. Like I've just said. We don't even know what we have. If we knew, our attitude would be different. I'll quickly request Brother Morgan to read Hebrews 12, just to show Hebrews 12, probably verse 23 to 28. Hebrews, if you can open your Bibles to, if you are, Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 23 to 28. Hebrews 12:23 to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that speak on earth, much more, much more shall we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth? But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, <coughs> as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably, with reverence 
and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Amen. Amen. So we have come unto Mount Zion. Do you know that's where we've come to? We have come to the General Assembly. The Church of the Firstborn. Which are written in heaven. And to the God, the judge of all. And to the spirits of just men perfect. This is where we have come. These are our companions. This is where we have come to. But we don't even appreciate. That it's a privilege to come to where we find ourselves. But for those who have that knowledge, they sell all they have. And go for it. I said that it is fearful in Matthew 21, 43. It says, it can be taken away from some people if they make light of what is offered. The fifth introductory remark I will make is that indeed it is true that it is all about the kingdom of God. And I believe in our personal lives, it is there for us to see it. But if we haven't seen it, I'll just like us to look at the example of the U.S. even as we stand today. A man who many people would say is not fit to be a president, but who decides to stand the nation's heart to God, to righteousness, to prayer, to the study of word. God says the all other things. He will take care of them. And today as we stand. If you take the US economy. The unemployment. They've never seen so in the past 50 years. It takes God. For this to happen. The agreements. Commercial agreements. They've been able to execute. But for God. I don't believe they would have done that. So when God says in Matthew 6.33 that seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things shall be added for nothing at all. This example of the U.S. to me is a clear evidence of what God's word is. Brothers and sisters, this is the kingdom we are talking about. About its values and the ethics. Are you ready for this kingdom? How many are ready for this kingdom? I'm saying for nothing at all. For a man who is not fit. I'm sure you go down as one of the greatest when it comes to the state of the economy. And that is God for you and I. Can you begin to value the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And you see the effect in our lives. Hallelujah. Now, when you talk about the value, what, has, what are we talking about? Value simply, one can see, are the truths, certain established truths that drive and direct our behavior, a certain behavior, a value, something that directs our behavior. It motivates us. And it's the reason why we do certain things. 
we deem them important. And because of those values, there are certain boundaries that we set around ourselves because we believe in something. We value something. And when you value and you cherish it, it directs your behavior. And one of the early martyrs of the church, Perpetual, who lived between 185 and 211 AD. This was a 26-year-old girl who had a child. The Romans said, either you worship the pagan gods or you and your friend will hand you over to booths to chew you up. The 26-year-old girl, highly educated, said, because I cherish and value Jesus Christ. I will die. His father, her father went on her knees to say, look at your infant child and denounce Christ. The young girl said, give me my Christ and take everything else. That is what we mean by value. And they threw she and her friend into the amphitheater for two bulls to chew them up. Are you ready for that kind of value? Do you value the kingdom of God that much? To let everything go. Give me Jesus and take everything else. Value. When you say you value something. And that is why the heroes of faith believed and so they, would, they did not succumb to the pressures of political, social or ecclesiastical conformity. But rather endured trials, persecutions and even death. Are you ready to go that? That is what you value. When you value something, you are ready to die for it. What is ethics? It talks about the moral principles that control or influences one person's behavior. Moral principles that control or influence a person's behavior. And for the kingdom ethics, is specifically the view of life revealed by Christ. And for us as believers, we are interested in the kingdom ethics, which are simply the view of life revealed by no other than our Lord Jesus Christ. It represents ethics in our kingdom, represents the conduct approved by God. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 10, there is a manner of living approved. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10. Colossians 1:10. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Amen. Amen. Other versions in a manner. There's a certain behavior worthy of our calling as kingdom people. But like I've said, and I said in my introduction, if that life is not there yet, nobody can force it on you. 
It is about a life that I will have to produce. That kind of ethical behavior. If you are not there yet. And it's not about titles. It's about a life. If that life has not been produced in you. Titles. No matter what it is. You can never even appreciate what God has for you. What you need to value and to live as an ethical believer. So brethren, if we desire, then we need to go to the basics. Am I truly sanctified? Is my heart renewed? Am I indeed crucified with Christ? Am I standing with Christ? Have I crucified this body to the world and the flesh? If not, it will be like a flash in the pan. But we need a life that will be pleasing unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, what are some of the values? We'll quickly run through them. Like I said, close to about 13. The first one, God's rule is acknowledged. Number two, righteousness. Love of God and neighbor. To be Christ-like. To value relationships. Value simplicity and modesty. Walking in the light. Value your soul. Value matters relating to eternity, humility, forgiveness, and losing interest in everything worldly. When we talk about we acknowledging God in all that we do, what we are saying is that, Lord God, so the first value is that we need to acknowledge God's rule in our lives and nothing else. Nothing else can take the place of God. And especially in the Gospels, Matthew 5 through to about 7, it summarizes the character and conduct expected of every subject of the kingdom of God. Those Chapters Matthew 5 through to 7, which you can see in Mark, Luke. It summarizes the character and the conduct expected of every subject of this kingdom of God. For us, it's like our constitution and it's the system of our laws and principles to govern our lives. And for us who believe in the kingdom of God, we are under the heaven's government. We may be in Ghana, but let's see ourselves as any foreigner in any of the foreign missions. Once they are in their mission, you can't touch them. So even though we are in Ghana, in our hearts, brethren, let's live as people of the kingdom of God. Christ may not have soldiers physically standing for you to see them. 
Christ may not have any intelligence group watching over you, but in your heart, know that Christ is watching. That Christ sees everything. And acknowledge Him as the head of your government. So on a daily basis, as we say the Lord's Prayer, that His will be done in our lives, let's say it with faith, so that on a daily basis, truly His will is our will in every moment of our lives. Hallelujah. And on a daily basis, we wait to receive the proclamation issues from the throne of glory. As we wake up every morning, we ask ourselves, what decree is coming from the throne room of the Almighty God? We may have our president, we may have the constitution, we may have the police force, but you and I, our government, is from our hearts. The king of kings rules in our lives. Hallelujah. And the decrees of the great king we cheerfully obey. We don't argue. We don't rebel. Because we know that he rules in our hearts. And we know that his rules are not grievous. Are you truly a child of the kingdom of God? If we value this kingdom, then what our king says, what our master says, is final. And we don't have to struggle over it. If we say we truly value the kingdom of God, number one, we acknowledge the rulership of God in our lives. Christ rules in our lives. And I'm saying we shouldn't haggle over this. It's not a matter. That is why I said from the beginning, if that life has not been sanctified, you can send, stand on that person with a cane. The chiefs will say, Enkusiaga. If you say, it must come from the inside. And then let's challenge ourselves to be renewed in our hearts and live this kingdom life. Is it because, you know what? It is so sweet. Isn't it sweet to live the life of Christ? Isn't it sweet? So why should somebody force us? Why should somebody compel you to live and to value the kingdom that we have? That is why I said we should know where we have come to. If truly you and I believe that we have come to Mount Zion, the general assembly of the saints, if that is where we stand, you don't need anybody for you to argue with that person over anything of Christ. Because I cherish where I stand. You know, even America. I don't know how many of you are watched to come into America. Is it coming to America? What is this? In those days, Eddie Murphy, you know when he arrived, the first time he set eyes on America, something happened. I had a similar experience. The first time I went to the U.S. was 1999. The taxi 
from the airport to the hotel, they put me in a limousine. And when we came out of the airport and I saw the skyline, I said, hey, we are seeing it. <laughs> we say, we are seeing baby. And we need to, when we catch that revelation, we won't play with the kingdom of God. But many of us haven't caught Zion yet. When we catch that Zion, and as I sat at the back of the limousine, Auntie Lydia, even in the 1999 days, we didn't have many brand new cars. The car you could buy was a home use. And you sit in the limousine with my size at the back of a limousine. I have come to America. I remember very well, June 1999. And as we drove to the hotel, this is only America. But tonight we are talking about Mount Zion. The city where the spirit of just sins. That is where Christ has called you and I. You need to begin to value this kingdom. And don't let anything stand in your way. It's because if you and I truly know where we are standing, nobody should tell you to pick your Bible. Nobody should tell you to pray. Nobody should tell you to live the kingdom life. If we are not doing that, then we don't know what we have. For me, it's as simple as that. If we cannot truly value the kingdom of God and to live ethically, my simple understanding, we don't know what we have. It's like we are holding a 50 pounds note, but we want a dollar. That is simply what it means. So the first value that we acknowledge God's rule. Hallelujah. The second point is that in His righteousness, we value righteousness, holiness, and the truth. Matthew 6.33 He said, Brother Morgan, seek ye first the kingdom of God and what? Is righteousness. The kingdom of God and what? Is righteousness. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And his righteousness. Some of us find it very difficult to live a righteous life. Why? You know, recently I needed to feel my daughter had to renew her passport. There's a friend who helped us. And whilst we were at the passport office, they said one of the forms you shouldn't have signed. So let's just put any pastor's name. I said, oh, can't we get a new, a new form? Is it because if actually I just put any pastor's name in Ghana, who will be there to go and check whether it's the correct pastor? The form will even get lost if after you have finished anyway. But as we sat there, I said to myself, if truly I know that God is with me everywhere, He is in this passport office. If I put anybody's name, if the director of passports is not seen, God has seen. So the gentleman, we have to do the form again. And we are barely seven days to renew the passport. But I was willing to wait to go through that. 
and his passports were near expiration date. But I said the right thing must be done. And we behave as if God never watches us. But as I said, I said, God is in this room. I will do what is right. And you know, and I always believe that judgment will start from the house of God. You know, everybody else, every unbeliever, those who are rascals and rules, can do whatever they want to do. You, the child of God, if you make a mistake and do something that is wrong, that day you alone, that is the only day that you'll be found out. That day you alone. So don't say that everybody is doing everybody, everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is doing it, but you are different. Learn to do what is right. And you know, God is not a respecter of persons. Let's learn to do what is right. And in everything that we do, let's remember it is against God, as Joseph said. I will not sin against God. It's not against the director of passports. If I did it, it was against God. Also, always remember the kind of things I do to make sure I do what is right. I always say to myself that Satan is on the alert. He is moving day and night. He's looking for a place. He's holding everybody's charge sheet. He's right waiting to write that charge of yours on that charge sheet. And go and present it before the Lord the following morning. So you dare do what is wrong. Satan will record it. And he say, you say, this man is your child, your child. Look at what you have done. These are the things I do to motivate myself to do what is right. And as you grow in righteousness and holiness, the risk even becomes very high. And everybody expects you to do what is right. I recall there was one time in the office, there was some tender evaluation that we did. And I didn't pay too much attention. So I gave it to one of the young men to do it. And apparently they tried to skew the report in somebody's favor. It eventually went to the tender entity. But you see, after the meeting, there were other departments' reports that were rejected. But one of the board members said, for the other departments, we are not surprised if they did what they did. But coming from your department, one that else, I was a bit disappointed. And that really shook me. So even as we grow in righteousness and holiness, the risk for you and I is even higher. And let's learn to continuously strive to do what is right. Let's not forget we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And for me, these are the things I put before me so that I always make sure that I do what is right. Hallelujah. And I believe it will encourage somebody. The third value is that you must value the love of God and all people around you. We need to value the love of God. Value people around you. Brother Morgan, Mark chapter 12. First it talks about, the young man asks about which are the first commandments. 
But a certain answer the young man gave, and Christ said something in Matthew chapter, Mark, Mark 12, verses 33 and 34. Mark 12, verses 33 and 34. Mark 12, 33 and 34. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that, he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Amen. No man after that dared ask him any question. Amen. Did you hear the verse 34? And when Jesus saw that, he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from where? The kingdom of God. So those who love God, those who love their neighbors, they are not far from the kingdom of God. Do you want to be close to the kingdom of God? Love God, love your neighbor. Hallelujah. If you cannot love God and cannot love your neighbor, then you are too far away from the kingdom of God. And you know, when you are far away from the kingdom of God, where do you think you are standing? You are getting closer to the outer darkness. And that is not an option for anyone. I don't see why anybody will want to opt out. Let's love God and love our neighbors. Hallelujah. The fourth point, I think like Sister Gifty said, we want to be Christ-like. Who doesn't want to be like Christ? We must value. We must cherish him. I want to be like Jesus Christ. I want to be like Christ. His life. His graciousness. His love. His love and kindness. His obedience unto death. His standing firm. I want to be like our Lord Jesus Christ. But then I have come to realize that if Christ is not revealed to you, it is difficult to be like Christ. But if Christ is revealed to you, it becomes much easier for you to be like Jesus Christ. The example of Paul, later we can all read, in Acts chapter 9, Acts 26, 14 to 18, Galatians 1, 15 to 16 tells us, that in the situation of Paul, Acts chapter 9, we cannot read them tonight, but Acts chapter 9, you can read later, Acts 9, Acts 26, 14 to 18, Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 to 16. When our Lord Jesus Christ had the encounter, or Paul encountered Christ, and Christ was revealed to him, it became a different story. When Christ was revealed to him, it became different. And I believe if you and I 
catch the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, it will be much easier to be like our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that the righteousness of God should be revealed to all of us. Again, maybe let's quickly look at Romans chapter 1 verse maybe 16 and 17. Romans chapter 1 verses 16 and 17. Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For therein in the gospel will be the righteousness of God be revealed to you and I. It is only in the gospel. If you want to be like Jesus Christ, you'll find him in the gospel. Hallelujah. Except that God will dwell in the humble heart to reveal our Lord Jesus Christ to us. But, but peradventure, the revelation will stop if sin sets in. So if we desire to be like Jesus Christ, let's strive to continuously receive the revelation from our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he will produce in us the Christ-like character. Then we can also desire to imitate his life of loving people. Learning how to obey our Father in heaven and standing Firm. Hallelujah. Peter too said, if you want to be like Christ, like in First Peter chapter 2 verses 21 to 33, we should learn to follow in his footsteps. First Peter chapter 2, 21 to 23. First Peter 2, 21 to 23. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Amen. The next value we want to look at is that for this kingdom, we need to value relationships. And I believe last week, as part of our communion preparation, we all went through the two days of teaching. And I believe we are all working on our individual lives to see how best we can all work at it. And Christ cherished relationships so much so that even when it came to offenses, and other things, he always encouraged us to learn to accommodate, to tolerate people and live with people around us. And even when we are being dragged along, allow yourself to be dragged along. Hallelujah. Because he cherished relationships. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 39 to 41. Matthew chapter 5. Verses 39 through to 41. Matthew 5, 
39 to 41. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. Can you believe this? Don't resist evil. Can you stand for it? Continue. <laughs> but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Are we ready to go an extra mile? Just to maintain our relationship. Be ready. He says, don't even resist evil. And be ready to go an extra mile. Just because you want to still keep flowing with the people. And let's quickly also look at Proverbs 25 verse 8. Proverbs 25 verse 8. Also in relation with dealing with one another. Proverbs 25 verse 8. Go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof, when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. Amen. Amen. So go not forth hastily to strive. And we are not going to go forth hastily because in all of this, our focus is how can you maintain and accommodate one another in our relationships. And above all, in Matthew 17 verses 26 to 27, even when Christ, they had called on him to pay his tax or tribute, he said, look, I'm not even supposed to pay. But notwithstanding, because I don't even want to offend them, you pay. Are we willing to do that? Matthew seventeen twenty six to 27. Matthew seventeen twenty six to 27. Peter said to him, Strangers, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. He said, nevertheless, I'm not supposed to, but I don't even want to offend them. So you are go and pay. But if you are not a child of God, you will insist on what you call your rights. This is my right. So the Lord said, I shouldn't pay, so I won't pay. But Christ said, nevertheless, give it to them because I don't want to offend them. Hallelujah. The next value is that we value Christ or the kingdom, we value simplicity and modesty. You know, if you read again Matthew 6, we cannot read for now. Matthew 6, 1 to 3. The way we give our arms, our prayers, our fasting. Assisting the needy. Doing things to show to other people. Christ did not subscribe to publicity or anything. He said, do things modestly. Though he was rich and majestic, but on this earth, he says, be simple. Hallelujah. Would you value that? Let's just be simple and modest. The seventh point 
has to do with walking in the light. We are people of the light. And the Lord expects us that nothing shady will come our way. We will not be involved in anything shady. First John chapter 1 verse 5 to 7. First John chapter 1 verse 5 to 7. As people who walk in the kingdom, what we need to value is that everything that we need to do should be above board. No shady deals. You know, you know in all these shady deals, it will one day come out. You cannot hide anything. So the best advice is that let's do everything that we are doing above board. Once it's above board, 10 or 15 years after, it's still clean. But if it's not, today maybe you are in charge, you can cover up. Since you cannot be there forever, when somebody else is there, you are exposed. If you don't want trouble, walk in the light, everything above board. And once you are above board, whether you are sleeping or dreaming, when they say anything, you know there is nothing to fear. And that is what I said. Sometimes, if you have nothing to fear, when they say police, abaye, there is nothing wrong with you. But when you know you have something in the cupboard, when a police van is passing, they haven't come to your house. But you said, what are they doing here? But learn to walk in the light. Hallelujah. Learn to walk and be full of light. And let the brightness of our light be wherever we are. Wherever we are, let our lives show forth light. Hallelujah. The next point of value that we'll quickly look at is that we should value our souls more than anything else. We should value our souls more than anything else. And I ask myself, is there anything worth more than your soul? But for somebody who values the kingdom of God, you must value your soul and make sure that you are not contaminated. And make sure your soul is made perfect and fit to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And you don't do anything for your soul to be corrupted. The next value is that you must cherish things that are eternal. Earthly things are not something we should value. Value things that are eternal. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18. Second Corinthians 4 verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 
The things which are not seen, they are eternal. And that is what we should always be mindful of. And that is what Moses did. He said, for he endured because he has seen him who is invisible and was looking at the eternal things. That is what motivated him. Let's have that eyes of faith as believers to appreciate things that are eternal. The celestial city. And when you are sitting down, imagine yourself entering the pearly gates, being crowned by the hand of Christ, being embraced by Christ, sitting together with Him. These are things that should engage our minds. Is it because as you begin to engage on things that are eternal, then you see that the joys of heaven will then compensate for the sorrows of this earth. Time is short, but eternity is long. But we are too time conscious. But eternity. Time will come, 70 years, 80 years, it will come. But eternity is long. I haven't died before, but somebody said, death is brief. But immortality is endless. Death is brief to just pass. In a brief moment. But immortality is endless. We may live here for 80, 90 years. But if you begin to think about eternity and begin to be mindful of eternity, it will be well for all of us as people of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Then humility is the next value. We need to be very humble. I'm sure we've flogged this issue several times. We probably won't spend much time on it. I'll quickly talk about you must you have no interest in any worldly system. No interest in any worldly value. Nothing inside nothing in the world excites you. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 38, you must be too good for this world that there is nothing inside. But I'm not going to please Hebrews 11, 38. Hebrews 11:38. Of whom the world was not worthy. Of whom the world was not what? Worthy. worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. Amen. Amen. The world was not worthy. You know, that is why Auntie Irene's dream that was even recapped was it last week or so. So she dreamt and God revealed that the rapture had taken place She had been left. But when she came here, 
life was normal. Life was normal. How can this world be normal to us? And I don't know how many of us have since she shared that dream have even gone to her to find out. Can I get further details about that dream? What are we doing even as individuals? Is it because all that we are doing is that we want to be in heaven? Is that not the case? So it is like an examination that has been written. And if you write an exam and we have failed, what do we have to do? I'm sure if we are parents, this one, where is the racist? It can only be a mock for all of us. In my view, it is a mock. And I don't know how we are going to handle this mock. It's like the exam has come and we have failed. It is fearful. If you agree, I don't know how many of us have even got so 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 you repeated this thing. What are we going to do? So far, I don't know. Has anybody come to you? But that should be the greatest matter for all of us. If we accept, we can decide to have a week or two prayer, fasting and prayer on this matter alone. And for which all of us. And if that announcement, in my view, goes forth, we don't even need advertisement. We will know that there is a matter at stake. For all of us, if the rapture had come, and we are still, and we are in the normal world, nothing has happened, and we are enjoying ourselves. We cannot be at ease. We cannot be at ease. We cannot be too comfortable. Let's all agree that this matter, something has to be done. If you agree, say amen. Amen. So also for come out of the direction. <laughs> Let's quickly look at the ethics. Quickly five of them. One, there is reverence, honor for the king. We can please look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Colossians 1, 18. And he is the head of the body. The church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. In all things, he will have the preeminence in terms of protocol, in terms of honor. In all things, his preeminence. In all things, and sometimes when I I'm not too sure if when some men will take on these titles, preeminence, I get scared. <laughs> but I believe it's only for Christ. That is the first ethical point. In all things, reverence and honor for the king. 
Second ethical point, our actions should be consistent with our high, our high dignity. Our actions should be consistent with our high dignity. In Matthew chapter 23 verse 28. Matthew 23:28 Matthew 23:28 Even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness Amen Amen That certainly is not consistent with who we say we are outwardly he said, we appear righteous, but inwardly, that is highly inconsistent. The third point is that our loyalty is to the kingdom of God. And it has to be undivided. Our loyalty is to the kingdom of God. Undivided. So our fellowship our communion and our everything, our loyalty is to the kingdom. We cannot have a divided loyalty. The world which hated Christ cannot be our friends. The world which hated Christ cannot be our friends. Let's remain loyal. And focus on the Lord. The last but one point. Is that. When we freely have received. We should freely give. Not looking for material favors. Freely received. When we have freely received. We should freely give. We should learn as people of the kingdom to do things. Even in our workplaces, we may be paid when we are paid. That is why we are paid to do the work. Sometimes I ask young men. But there was one time somebody said, the mother asked, what work do you want to do? He says he wants to be a delegate for a political party. How, how can that be? <laughs> so that all the delegates who can be collected their benefit, their <laughs> gifts. You see a young man, oh, I want to go to customs. Why customs? Because you know when you get it, you can collect after you've been paid. That ethical value. If we look at how much Christ has given to us, his unbiased love, his forgiving grace, and how he has preserved us without a bill. We do things and you are demanding. There is not even bribe. Somebody, the work that you have given to him, there must be a gift. I recall again our former police, even when somebody is traveling, 
and the person's per diem has been calculated. Some persons will take part of the per diem. If it's a man, I'm here and say, I'm on two coins. We, and each day, I don't know, bro, from Sunday, we can't. Then when somebody is promoted, he says, I'm here promote you. When somebody gets this, I did it for you. A benefit for staff is done. Then their own people will take it. So I remember 10 years ago in December, and some of them were even using the impress, the SNIT's own impress, to buy gifts for managers because they've done things for them. I told the Director General, over 2,000 employees, if it comes to the gifts, I'll be the biggest beneficiary. But if you agree with me, that's my signature. How many of you know that signature? Was signed to every staff that no staff should give any manager a gift because we are paid to do our work. Because if I, you are promoted on the job, you have to be given a gift. If you get a housing loan, should I be given a gift? You get a car loan, should I be given a gift? But that's what they were doing. That if you agree, no gift for any manager. He said, I agree with you. That memo, 10 years, I'm sure it's still there. What if they put it somewhere? But that memo went. And that Christmas, every manager went for your salary. Because we have been paid. Have been paid. Otherwise, in Christmas, you go to the pension house. In your name, punching me all over the place. You understand? Ethics. These are simple things. But some of us are fighting to be in certain positions and departments, and you want a particular office. You want that office where when you do something for somebody, they will bring you a good. Obi took my the pair DM a car or qua way mu UG twenty hundred dollars a film. Only then uncle tuna wouldn't. I hope you didn't understand. <laughs> These are Christians. We are talking about ethics. Meanwhile, everybody has a salary. And if somebody is promoted, you said you made that person to be promoted. So he should give you part of your salary. We're talking about ethics. And all these things, if we can learn to live within our means. But you see, greed. We are not content. But brethren, this kingdom, there is no alternative. It is not like in the rankings of countries where many U.S. Kramiko U.K. That ranking is not there. It's either the kingdom of God or the outer darkness. Let's begin to cherish the kingdom of God. Value it and live ethically as children of God. Is that what is the difference between us? 
and the other person. And like I always say, God is watching all of us. God is watching. Let's learn to bring honor and glory to the Almighty God. This kingdom is so precious that I don't think anyone would want to miss it. Let's live for the Lord. But like I said, the foundation is that let's renew our hearts. Let's be truly sanctified. Once that is there, the values and the ethics will flow from our lives. But if we are not renewed in life, if our hearts are not renewed, if we are not truly sanctified, all what I'm saying tomorrow morning, we may be back to normal. But my prayer is that we won't want all these evenings that we are coming every Wednesday evening, Sunday, to be in vain. One of our mummies asked me, he said, So, Sofu, have you thought about that? All that we are doing, if we don't get it right, and we miss it. I'm sure some will get home around 10 o'clock, 10 30. And tomorrow morning, Pharaoh too will call you. And if we keep on doing these things and we miss it, better we cannot play games with this kingdom. And I want to challenge all of us that maybe from tonight, let's begin to change our own orientation and perception and begin to look at the value of what we have. We have come to Mount Zion. The city where the judge saints are. You can also be one. You and I can be one. The Holy Spirit is available for us. If only we desire it, it is possible. And for these days that the church has put together this issue of the kingdom of God, let's not say Yatiabre. Asemwe Yantimre. Our cups should be full. And we should be filled with kingdom mindedness. In our sleeves, even when we are asleep, your wife should hear you talking in more kingdom. If you say and once it's in us, even in our sleep, we'll start talking about the kingdom. And we can live it. Hallelujah. Can you for a moment just quietly reflect, sit and reflect. The precious kingdom that we are having privileged to be part of. And may the Lord give us understanding. May the Lord open our eyes. If there is something that we are not seeing and is blurred, it's like a veil and we don't even understand what we have. My prayer tonight is that God will give us deeper understanding. 
That nature that is even making it difficult for some of us. May the Lord Himself prune us. May He truly sacrifice, crucify us inside out. For we to begin to see what is out there. Mount Zion is waiting for us. The great crowd of witnesses, they are waiting, they are looking, they are cheering us up. They are saying, you and I can make it. We can make it. They have gone ahead, but they say we can make it. May the Lord help us, for we can make it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.